0: This is Joe Buca with another episode of Man Up, the podcast to help men reject passivity and accept responsibility. And today, as you can hear, again, I'm on my back porch with the birds chirping and um, just a beautiful kind of overcast morning. Just enjoying, had a good workout this morning and had a physical therapy appointment for my ankle, which I've been recovering for over two years now, but making some good progress, um, which has been really encouraging i um, just having some good time with the Lord. I'm reading, uh, again, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. I can't recommend this book enough. It's just been really good. Uh, the chapter I'm reading currently is um, chapter 16, The Lord, The Lord. And it's based on Exodus 34, 6, where it says, God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. And the today, about halfway in the chapter on page 51, um, he... Quotes Exodus thirty four. I'm, I'm sorry, Isaiah fifty four seven through eight. And um, I'd like to read it to you. It says, "For a brief moment, I deserted you, but with great compassion, I will gather you. In overflowing anger, for a moment, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you." And he goes on to say, "The Christian life, from one angle, is a long journey of letting our natural assumption about who God is over many decades fall away, being slowly replaced with God's own insistence on who He is." This is hard work. It takes a lot of sermons and a lot of suffering to believe that God's deepest heart is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. The fall in Genesis 3 not only sent us into condemnation and exile, the fall also entrenched in our minds dark thoughts of God, thoughts that are only dug out over multiple exposures to the gospel over many years. And this is the profound statement that really struck me today. Perhaps Satan's greatest victory in your life today is not the sin in which you regularly indulge, but in the dark thoughts of God's heart that cause you to go there in the first place and keep you cool toward him in the wake of it. And I, you know, just that idea that it, um, it just how many times we, have a wrong picture, not many times, consistently I've struggled with a wrong, inadequate picture of who God is, and I can kind of sway one kind of grace, you know, full of grace, and then full of truth, and full of judgment, and full of mercy, and but but just this idea that God's gracious heart toward me is a pursuit with compassion. He pursues me, like I think of in Luke 15, the story of the return of the prodigal. Um, or as Tim Keller calls it, the tale of two sons. Um, both are prodigals, the, the one who goes away and, and, um, and really kind of a negative, you know, rebellious, um, you know, indulgent life, and then the other son who is, is lost in his self-righteousness. But, but the key, I think, is it, like Keller talks about in that book, uh, uh, Prodigal God, that the key is seeing that God... Is the one who is the perfect Father, and He's pursuing, and it's the the story is about the Father's love, not about the rebellion necessarily of the younger son or the self righteousness, although those things are there in that story in Luke fifteen. But it's but it's the God who runs toward His son, the God who chastises the older son, but in a loving, compassionate way, and reminds him of you know the the, his, the Father's love. And so, um, I just today I just want to challenge you. That many times it's our understanding of who God is, our lack of understanding—maybe is a better way to say it—of who God is, and we, you know, we. For me, one of the biggest things I have to continue to remind myself is that God is with me and for me because of Christ in me, and because uh, for 45 years I have lived with Christ in me and the Holy Spirit in me, that I that I have a God who doesn't wag his head when I am struggling, he doesn't push me away, he doesn't turn away from me, but actually he runs toward me, he pursues me in this idea that God leads in his compassion to, with me, not in his frustration and his disappointment with me, because uh, I think that's those are things that the enemy wants me to dwell on rather than God's the greatness of God's love, the greatness of God's mercy and grace. Um Ortlund ends this chapter, he says, We are being told of God's deepest heart in Exodus 34, but we are shown that heart in the Galilean carpenter who testified that this was his heart throughout his life and then proved it when he went to a Roman cross descending into hell of God forsaken us in our place. And I just want to close with this thought of, you know, it's in... Um, Second Corinthians five twenty one. He, the Father, made him Jesus. He made him and knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That that God, uh, the Father, sent His Son Christ to die on a cross, to raise from the dead on our behalf, so that we could have life and we could have a restored relationship with with God. And that isn't just a one and done thing it's an ongoing living out the gospel and drinking from the gospel and resting in the gospel and and just seeing that that uh, the journey of our life is is really continuing to remind ourselves of of god 's love and forgiveness and god 's mercy and god 's grace and god's transforming work through the Holy Spirit in our lives and I just want to assure you that you know, as you dwell on that, as you dwell on God's love for you and God's, God's loyal, steadfast, chesed love for you, that it really is transforming. And I want to encourage you to dwell on that and even go back and look at this passage in Exodus 34 and Isaiah 54. Anyway, those are my thoughts today. Thanks.